Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a very exciting return special guest. Tell the listeners who you are. Hello, I'm Eric Adams, the television editor of The AV Club. And Ryan and I are both frequent readers of The AV Club. That is very <laughs> true. And I'm a frequent reader of ToughPigs.com, so it's just it just all goes in, in wonderful full circles. Oh, thanks. It's just a love fest around here. And speaking of things that we love, we are looking today at minutes seven and eight <laughs> of The Great Muppet Keeper, where we start with Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo in their editor, Mr. Tarkanian's office. Uh, he yells at them, and Kermit pleads with him to send them to London to cover the Lady Holiday story. And that's that's kind of all that happens here. <laughs> yeah, we spend um, this whole time in the newsroom. Right. Um, yeah, and I said his office, but I guess it's not really an office. He's out. He's out in the on the floor with everyone else. Yes, in fact, he has a door behind him that says "private." That is probably his office. But he likes to be among the people, so he has a desk. Yes. <laughs> Which actually, right up top, I wanted to mention um, his his de- little nameplate on his desk says Mike Tarkanian, and then I guess that's his job title under that. But it's very small. I couldn't read that. Could you? I couldn't read it. No. Yeah, yeah I can't really make it out. Maybe if we had the, the the Blu-ray in front of us, but or maybe we'll never know. <laughs> it's I mean it, it it's clearly indicating that he's some sort of editor. I yes. can't tell. I mean, if he's got a desk in the bullpen, he's probably not the editor in chief. Like maybe he's hmm. the metro editor or the city editor. I mean, because that's that would explain why he's so upset about missing this lady holiday story. Like not not only is he in charge of this whole newspaper, but like there's a local story that his new uh, his his new hotshot reporters totally blew, uh, and I I think that uh, that could explain why he's so mad about it. Yeah, yeah, it reflects yeah. poorly on him. Yeah. Right. Well, and as I mean, I, I guess we can get into this later too. But he 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 stuck his neck out for those guys. So <laughs> indeed, you know, he did. But uh, we should we should talk about who plays Mr. Tarkanian, which is Jack Warden, who is one of the most familiar character actors of like the second half of the 20th century. He worked all the time forever from the fifties through the nineties. And like, he's, he's in from here to eternity. He's in 12 angry men. He's also in problem child and dirty work. So the man had quite a career. He was also in the TV movie, Brian's song. And yeah. uh, a few episodes of the twilight zone. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's in, I mean, whatever. We could shampoo, heaven can wait, being there. All, I mean, all, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yes, Just, and I I will, I, I first came across him, and I will always think of him as, uh, from his role as the owl in the 1985 TV miniseries of Alice in Wonderland. Oh! <laughs> I did not know he was in that. That's him. He's in, I think it's in the, the looking glass half of that uh, miniseries. And he's the owl who basically tells Alice that like, she's never going to figure things out. She's never going to get out. So she might as well give up. Huh? That is incredible I, because I like, I am ashamed to admit that I really only know him as Mr. Tarkanian. <laughs> oh, you, okay. Wow. You must yeah. have seen 12 angry men though. I haven't like there's there's oh. I've got some I got some very shameful uh, 
cinematic blind spots, well, and apparently most of them concern Jack Warden. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say, here's your here's your homework, Eric. You got to watch Twelve Angry Men. You got to watch Dirty Work. Those. Are the <laughs> He apparently he must have made some sort of impression on Norm Macdonald because a couple of his last credits are dirty work. And then he was in an episode of the Norm Macdonald sitcom that was simply called Norm. Uh Sure. Huh. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it's just one of those things where because 12 Angry Men was like a favorite in my house growing up. We would I mean, it was on cable all the time. We watched it. We got sucked in every time. And. So it was always fun for me to see how young he was in that and know that he's like the grandpa from Problem Child. Like even yeah. as a kid, it was like my introduction to the, the aging of actors, I think, was Jack Warden. Oh, that's interesting. Anyway, so uh, we, we we can talk about him here. He's really great. Eric, you, you don't know Jack Warden. What do you think about him here? God, I don't know Jack Warden, but this role made such an impression on me. Like... I was thinking about it and, you know, I'm speaking to you guys from the AV club offices right now, which are, it's, it's a a veritable replication of the newspaper bullpen uh, from, (laughs) from the movie, you know, reporters are running around, phones are ringing off the hook. Um, But like this scene basically set my expectations for what a journalistic career would be like, like, it's just such a perfect archetypal newspaper newsroom bullpen and mr tarkanian is like the archetypal editor he's in his vest the tie is undone he's at the absolute end of his rope with his reporters like there there's just something about this this performance and this like embodiment of the harried news editor that like basically set that type up in my mind and I think also like endeared me to this character type like I love J. Jonah Jameson in every iteration of Spider-Man and I certainly encountered Mr. Tarkanian before I encountered JJJ. Yeah that's interesting I guess I did too because I was not like I couldn't read when I first saw this movie so I wasn't reading Spider-Man comics yet. Sure huh. But he's just he's just great he's just this like grouchy curmudgeonly editor you get the impression that even if Fozzie and Kermit and Gonzo had nailed the Lady Holiday story he'd still be kind of upset at them he'd find something to be mad about yeah (laughs) did we mention that he also played a newspaper editor in all the president's men we did not yes I think that's probably one of the main reasons he got cast in this part yeah that would make sense I mean, he just fits the part. He looks perfectly rumpled. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and it's it's funny because, like, I mean, we you know we 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 all have varying varying degrees of experience with Jack Warden, but he's not Mel Brooks. He's not Steve Martin. You know, he's not he's he's not like a comedy superstar, but he almost takes the movie over for for his scene to the same degree that those guys do in the Muppet movie. And it's really interesting to me that they that they trusted him to do that so early in this film yeah yeah he's he's he strikes just the right tone he's funny but he also is uh is uh, brings the anger enough to get this character across without pulling too much focus i think if it was a a bigger name a more marquee player like maybe you'd be more focused on 
him being in that scene and less focused on this establishment of Kermit and Fozzie and Gonzo's newspaper career and this extra layer of reality that is being set up for the movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Did either of you happen to come across uh, the list of other actors that Jim Henson considered for this role? Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. Remind me, though. I remember so, seeing it on Jim's Red Book a while ago. Yeah, exactly. So it's on the, the Jim Henson Red Book blog. Um, Jack Warden was actually the first name he wrote down. But then he also wrote Jim Backus, Tom Bosley, Jackie Cooper, Hume Cronin, David Doyle, Charles Durning, Broderick Crawford, Ed Asner... Martin Balsam, Harvey Corman, Walter Matthau, Jack Klugman, Jack Lemon, and Lionel Stander. And I think <laughs> so he was definitely have... going for a type. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think any one of those guys would have been good. I feel like Jim Backus, Ed Asner, and Lionel Stander would have been maybe just as good as as Jack Warden. Well, I feel like Ed Asner would be a little too on the nose, though. Like, Way too on the nose. I Probably. Mean, it's, I mean, like this this movie already essentially has Columbo in it. <laughs> for, for it to also have Lou Grant might be too much to cast a newsman as a newsman. Yeah, and yeah. and of course Jackie Cooper would be because of Superman, right? Like he plays Perry oh, yeah, White. Yeah. So th- that too, it'd just be kind of like, oh, hey, remember Superman the movie? Here's Mr. White, Great Caesar's Ghost. <laughs> right. They probably would have made him say that. But it's interesting to me that Jack Warden was the first choice. But again, I, I think he's great. You, you know what is my favorite thing he does in this? That when he gets when Kermit says that identical twins would make um, are such a good story, he says no, it doesn't. Especially since you two guys, you two guys don't like anything alike. And then Fozzie puts his hat on, and then he has this very pleased realization that yes, the hat does make a difference. Yeah, in my notes, I wrote down that his delivery on that is perfect when he just kind of goes, "Oh yeah," <laughs> and then he snaps back into being angry. Like it's, it's perfect. It's so yeah. good. That whole exchange is just like perfectly beaded out. Like after Fozzie puts the hat back on and they make the smile face that they're making in that picture, like to to include that extra second just really sells that joke. Right. They both they both put their open their mouths. It's so good. <laughs> While also setting up the greatest joke ever told on screen, which will come later in the movie. Well, sure. That's a that's a that's a teaser. For the listeners. Yes. <laughs> the other thing, the, the the other characters that appear in this scene, Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo, do get some things to do. Um, what jumps out at you guys about th- at the actual Muppets in this scene? <laughs> well, the jumping, certainly. Yeah, oh, yeah, Gonzo getting, <laughs> getting flung up to the light fixture. <laughs> Which is another, like, there's... The comedy of this, like, the Great Muppet Caper is joke by joke, scene by scene, like, hands down, I think, the funniest of the Muppet movies. Like, it's the one that's just the most purely comedic, the one where they're going so hard for the jokes. And you can see it in, like, the way that this one is sequenced with the, like, I'll give you a raise setup. Like, first there's that tiny jump. And then the second jump, Gonzo does this great acrobatic leap into the ceiling. And, you know, like we've come we've come to expect that sort of physicality from the character from the show and from the first movie. And just, you know, the gangly limbs of the great Gonzo are just work so well when he's hanging from something. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I yeah. I agree. Well, and even like 
the fact that Mr. Tarkanian at the end of the scene says, get that thing down off the ceiling yeah. is such a nice dig at Gonzo, I think. Because <laughs> it's just, he, um, I mean, it, it's harsh, but also it says a lot about how Gonzo is, is alien. Gon- I mean, not, not that Gonzo is an alien. I'm not a, I'm not a Mubbis from Space truther. <laughs> but the fact that he's like so out of place in this newsroom that he's a photographer on staff and his editor refers to him as that thing. But I don't think Gonza would be offended by being called oh, no. that thing. No, not at all. I, yeah. I agree. Ryan, did you have anything to add? Um, I like when, um, when, when Mr. Tarkanian is going over the other newspaper headlines, like the competing newspapers. <laughs> and um, at one point he, he holds up a, a paper and Kermit says something like, Oh yes, it's very easy to read. <laughs> and uh, so Mr. Tarkanian's reaction is very funny because it's just this little, he says, shut up now. It's, he's not yelling. He's not, it, it's, it's just perfectly underplayed, but I also really appreciate Kermit's delivery on the, yes, it's very easy to read. Like, uh, well, it's such a Sesame street line almost. Yeah. You know, Mr. Tarkanian says it's nice bold print, isn't it? Out of hand, and Kermit says, "Yes, it's very easy to read, like he's on Sesame Street." <laughs> right, <laughs> but uh, and obviously Kermit should know that now is not the time to say something like that. And you know, there have been times like I remember when Muppets from um, when Muppets Most Wanted came out, and we had some sort of debates among Muppet fans about like how how stupid should the Muppets be? Like how stupid should the writers allow the Muppets to be if the story calls for it? But you know, I think this is a good example of they can be just as stupid as they need to be in that particular moment if it makes for a good joke. <laughs> well, it yeah. also raises the question of how, like, are Fosse and Kermit supposed to be good journalists? Like, are we supposed to take them as a, a paragons of reporting excellence? Uh, or are they supposed I mean, to appear I, like naive cub reporters on the beat? I mean, I think the latter. I think, you know, they missed the Lady Holiday story because they're excited about Gonzo taking pictures of chickens. <laughs> then they take a picture of themselves and make that the story. Breaking the number one rule of journalism. Do not make yeah. the story about yourself. Yeah, and they totally <laughs> do it. Identical twins join Chronicle staff. <laughs> Though that I, does raise the question of, like, how many layers did of editing did that have to go through that it wound up on the front page? Right, right. Yep. And it's like, that's when Mr. Turkinian sees it. Like, he's <laughs> mad about this published newspaper. Yeah, we mentioned that a little bit last <laughs> week, but this is where he failed at his job. <laughs> well, well there's, there's a really good piece of character building, I feel like, for Mr. Turkinian that he's got, like, his golf clubs behind his desk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. So, like, you know, maybe he's very passionate about the job, but maybe he's a little bit checked out. Hmm. Right. Well, and, of course, we, we also have in-story a reason why he hired these two incompetent reporters, right? Which is that he was buddies with their dad. So let's talk about the greatest Muppet of all time, Foggy's <laughs> dad. Is, did they actually construct that as a puppet? I, it sure looks like it. I um, see. I was going to say, I don't think so. It looks like a, a retouch. I mean, today it would be Photoshop, but it looks... Right, to it me, definitely, like a retouched photo or a collage or whatever they did back then. Yeah, it definitely looks like they just pasted this thing into the picture of Jack Warden. Like, I don't think that they made a poser puppet and had Jack Warden stand with it, although I like the idea that they did. 
Like, I kind of wish they had. But you think they didn't build it? You think it's just... It I, something just, about just looking it. at the coloring and sort of the the shadows. Like, yeah, it doesn't quite look like it really exists to me. There's, I would be thrilled if it did, but I don't think it did. I, I noticed for the first time re-watching it for the podcast that you can kind of see, like, there's some visible lines where maybe the collage came together in the photo. Right. Yeah, that 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 might be right. Like kind of around um, the face. Yeah, right. But anyways, it just makes me so happy. <laughs> that not only are Kermit and Fozzie twins, like we have the plausible explanation that they both look like their dad. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's the perfect way to take that gag one step even more ridiculous. Right. So anyways, I wish... Kermit and Fozzie's dad had come back for many more appearances. I wish he had, you know, we got to see Emily Bear and him together. <laughs> but or, that's... or Kermit and Fozzie's mom might look more like... So Kermit and Fozzie's dad has the basic sort of shape of Fozzie, but with various features from both of them. So maybe their mom has the basic shape of a frog, but with a combination of those features. Yeah. Yeah, that might be right. Eric, what were you about to say on the topic? Oh, I, I was just going to say, we're talking about it as if like these these are their canonical parents. And the thing that I've always loved about The Great Muppet Caper is that it's a, it's a great comedy about artificiality. Oh, for like, sure. Everything about, everything about this movie is so invested in telling you that, it's a, that it is a movie and you're watching a movie. And like that's, that is what I enjoy about it as an escalation from the Muppet movie where that movie is so uh, kind of fixated on a granular level uh, on integrating the Muppets into the real world. And this movie kind of throws that all out the window and makes a joke of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and we talked about that some last week uh, as well, that the, the opening number is so artificial and, Rainbow Connection is trying to convince you that Kermit's in a real swamp, like playing the banjo, you know? So they're they're almost opposites in their approach. And I love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, um, I you know, here's the thing. I guess really, like, we've talked about everything that kind of happens in here. <laughs> so, um, Eric, do you, do you just want to talk about your love of Great Muppet Caper in general for, for a moment since we have you here? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I kind of, I, I, I kind of summed it up uh, there that like I just love that it is like it's the it's the the closest. I mean, even in comparison to Muppets Take Manhattan, which is so steeped in Broadway, like it's the big Muppet Studio musical. It's yeah. so uh, unashamed to be kind of stage bound and to you know, really build these sort of soundstage environments on, I'm assuming, did this, did they film this at Elstree? I believe so. I yeah. So. so it's like, it. there's just using the, these classic movie apparatuses uh, to make an homage to in a bygone era of film that the, the Muppets work really well in. And I think it also kind of like establishes a precedent going forward of how you can map these characters into different eras and different genres of cinema. Uh, you see it a little bit more in the, the movies made after Jim Henson's death 
where it's a you know it's a little more explicit. Like now we're going to map the characters onto uh, a Christmas Carol. We're going to map them onto Treasure Island. Here it's just they're existing within a, a feeling, you know, of, of a type of movie that you're familiar with. That's not necessarily direct parody. Like hmm. you get you get some direct Esther Williams parody uh, in Piggy's big fantasy sequence. But for the most part, it's just this very funny, very earnest homage to big studio musicals. Yeah, yeah, well and, said. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's what I love about it. It's just, it's the big, it's the big flashy Muppet musical. Right, yeah. No, yeah, I, I've described it as it, it's pure entertainment. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And uh, Ryan, did, did you have anything else to add before we close? Well, okay, so uh, Mr. Tarkanian shows them three different newspaper headlines and then asks them, which one would you read? So I wanted to ask you guys, which one would you read? <laughs> would well, you I'd read the one Express? that has Dear Abby. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, love, I love that Dear Abby is Fozzie's primary association with the newspaper. <laughs> I, it kind of, yeah, it kind of seems in character for Fozzie, though. Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. To read a, an advice column. What are, oh, what yeah. are the headlines in the other papers? Uh, the Express said, Jewel Heist on Main Street, Famous London Designer Robbed, which might be a little bit too wordy. Yeah, it's um, a little bit, that's approaching like Leslie Nope headline territory. <laughs> the Daily Times had Lady Holiday's Jewels Stolen, and the City Herald has Fashion Queen of London Robbed. I'd probably read that fashion queen of London, Rob. It's yeah. a little bit exciting, but it's not too much. Yeah. And although I like, if I'm being honest, I would read the one that has Kermit and Fozzie on them. <laughs> well, it, it would be intriguing, right? If you saw a, a front page that said identical twins and it was two people who didn't really look anything like each other. What do they do though? Cause Fozzie's wearing his hat. Well, I guess that's <laughs> the thing. If you existed in the world of this movie, you might think that they looked identical. Right. <laughs> so, so I might also mistake that for like the weekly world news. Sure. True. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then I wanted to mention another line that I love a lot is when uh, he's looking at the framed photo of himself with their dad. And Fozzie says, dad spoke well of you too. It's not really a joke, but it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Well, it gives it gives you more and more of this sense that like this is this is a real relationship. Like there's there's history between these three people. Maybe yeah. maybe Mr. Tarkanian watched those identical twins grow up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, maybe he's known yeah, them their whole life. He was over to their house. And yeah, it really that that really helps a lot. I guess justify why they're even working at a newspaper in the first place. So yeah, good job, uh, screenwriters. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then from a narrative standpoint, for those who are following along uh, the plot, l listening to our podcast, um, this is the these are the minutes where he actually, Mr. Tarkanian fires them. But then Kermit, this is where Kermit starts to make his case that all they want to do is go to England and have him pay for their plane ticket and go talk to Lady Holiday and they will catch the jewel thieves, which seems to me a little bit outside the normal jurisdiction of newspaper reporters to actually catch the thieves. But Kermit is very ambitious. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we'll see if it works out for him. Exactly. All right. So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with another episode. 
In the meantime, you can check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, wherever else you can find us. You can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. Eric, can you remind us where to find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Eric M. Adams, and you can read my writing on The Great Muppet Caper and many, many other subjects at avclub.com. <laughs> You, you're, you're on the great Muppet. You're on the great Muppet Caper beat. That's what oh, I yeah. like. It's like <laughs> among among other uh, subjects. Much much like Kermit and Fozzie, I'm on the great Muppet Caper beat. Right. Well, and and like we uh, talked about when you were on for the Muppet movie, you did review the first two seasons of the Muppet Show on the AV Club. I did. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, now you guys, you guys have way outpaced me uh, on, on tough pigs, which I'm, I'm glad to see somebody uh, else taking up that torch. Yeah. See it through the finish. I don't, I don't know why we wouldn't, I suppose. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it helps that we have it spread out across a team of like six writers. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing. So, all right. On, on that note, we will say goodbye, but listeners give us a positive review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And tell all your friends to listen to Moving Right Along. We'll be back next week with another episode. Goodbye. Goodbye. Joe Hennessy, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you, brother.